All right, if you'll turn to me to Genesis chapter 17. We're in this series on keeping on hearing. And um, I'm so excited about this message, but it may not look like it because there's so much going on and I'm trying to figure out how to say it all. Uh, and I know there's next week, but I have more next week, so I'm like, you know, um, but sometimes I share my messages beforehand, at least portion of them with Diana, and I did last night, and she was like, you're excited, aren't you? <laughs> yes, can hardly wait, so um, let, let's just, Genesis chapter 17, um, God uses the Old Testament to get us to see the coming of Christ. And he's done that for us in the story of Abraham and Isaac. And so we're going to look at that again. I'm going to read some stuff and you say, well, Pastor, we've read this the last four weeks. Well, and next week is the fifth week that we'll read it. Okay? But I think it's important that we see it in its context because we have to know what God was doing so that we understand what he's done for us through Jesus. And this story of Abraham and Isaac is just incredible. Now, God called Abraham at 75 to leave his family, leave his country, and go to the place that God would show him. And the promise was, if you'll do that, I'll make you into a great nation. And so, fortunately, Abraham left. And then it was through him that Christ came in to this world and so it's important that we understand the importance of that but they ran into a difficulty because they weren't conceiving and so then they tried to help God and um, that didn't work either um, so God outlasted them he outweighed them until they were too old to have children 99 and 89 and they were according to the scripture, beyond the ability to produce a son, and yet God visits them and confirms that it's going to happen. And it's going to happen in a year. And so in the process, God changes their name, adds the aha in there, which is a working or a revelation of the Holy Spirit, the need for the Holy Spirit in their lives to accomplish the impossible. And so Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, it says this, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my, ser my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and, you sh and kings shall come from you. Let me just pause there for a moment. Um, he's calling him, and he's at 99, and the promise was is that he would make him into a father of many nations. Okay, that there would be a multitude. Um, and 
Um, in verse 2, Brian, I don't know if you want to go back to it or not, but it says, that I may make my covenant between me and you. This is God speaking to Abram, or now Abraham, because he's changing his name. And he says, that I will, that I am making you, okay? Then um, verse 3, he sa- or verse 4, he says, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. So it shall be. So in verse 2, he's, he's going to make him. In verse 4, he says, you shall be. Notice what he says in verse 5. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you. You see, the first part was the prophetic part. And, and even back when he was 75 and God promised him a son. So there's the prophetic part, but now God is getting down to the nitty gritty on this. And he's like, hey, no longer are you Abram. Now you're Abraham because my spirit is going to make it possible. What I have been speaking to you over these last almost 25 years, now it's going to come to pass. So he's changing from a present tense to a past tense when he's changing his name. Isn't that awesome? So whatever God has called you to, hopefully there's coming a day when it's going to be past tense. It's going to have happened in your life. Okay, verse 6. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And at the same time, he changes Sarah's name from Sarai to Sarah. Same thing, the aha and the, the working of the Holy Spirit. Now Genesis 18, 9. And this is when they're visiting and they're really working on this. Genesis 18, 9. They said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of a woman had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, Am I worn out, and my Lord is old? Shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? And I want you to take note of that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Okay? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Genesis 21, 1. Genesis 21, 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. 
Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah that to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And so I'm reading that and you'll just have to hang on till the end. Now we're going to go to Genesis chapter 22. And this is the test of Abraham. Genesis 22 verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I, will, I shall tell you. Verse 6, and Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Isn't that awesome? And if you're not figuring this out, if you haven't, this is a picture of God's provision of us through Jesus Christ. Okay, Genesis 22, 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son. Everybody say your only son. From me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. And it is said to that day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Wow. So we've talked about all these things surrounding Abraham and his offering of Isaac, but... Um, Isaac is a miracle child. He's a miracle conception. He's their firstborn. He's his only son, even though there's another, but he's the son of promise. Um, and he's the son whom Abraham loves. Okay, if you remember that, you can go back and read it. Your son whom you love, you know, your only son. So when he's offering them up, it says that, or when they're starting to walk up the mountain, it says that Abraham laid the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac. And then when Isaac asked about the burnt offering, where that was, because he saw everything else, Abraham's response was, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And all of this is symbolic of what God was going to do for us through Jesus Christ. In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says this, speaking of John the Baptist, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In John 1, a few verses down, verse 35 and 36, he says, The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And, and so you see this, that Abraham is walking up the mountain with, with Isaac. Isaac has the wood on his shoulder, on his back, and he's carrying it up. But there's no sacrifice, and Abraham declares, the Lord's going to provide the lamb for the sacrifice. And here we have all of this picturing, foreshadowing what God's going to do for us through Jesus Christ. And then Abraham lays the wood out, builds the altar, and then binds Isaac, lays him on the altar of the wood to be sacrificed, raised his knife to kill Isaac, and the Lord stopped him and provided a lamb. All of that is symbolic of what God is going to do for us and what God has done for us through Jesus Christ and the cross. And the truth is, it should have been us on that altar. It should have been us on that cross. But God stops and He allows His Son to go on there for us. We talked about how did Abraham feel as he got up early the next day to uh, do all this, to gather everything and then to leave walking up the mountain to the place that God would show him because he didn't know where he was going. But the instruction was, you go and I'll show you what mountain you're going to be on. And knowing all along that he was going to have to offer up his son, his only son, the son whom he loves. And I just wonder, was there any conversation as they walked up the mountain or was the atmosphere subdued and quiet? You know, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to talk about it. You know, finally Isaac brings it up, but was there other conversation? Was he satisfied with that? Was he thinking, you know, especially when the wood's getting laid on, you know? How did Isaac feel as he, was, as he carried the wood, as he was being bound by his father and then laid on the table of the wood? Before we go any further, I just want to remind you about the birth of Jesus. In Matthew 1.18 it says this, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. There was an aha time in her life where she agreed with the working of the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 1 verse 34 it says this, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, doesn't this sound like Abraham and Sarah? They can't conceive, and yet when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, they're able to conceive, and they have a son, and his name is Isaac, and then God asks for him. Luke one thirty six. as we continue there. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. What was the question back in Genesis? Is anything too hard? 
Is anything impossible with God? There's such a parallel here. It's, it's striking. Verse 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And then we know that Jesus was born, but he was born to die for us, to become our sacrifice. He carried his own wood. He carried the cross as he was going to die on it as long as possible. John chapter 19, verse 16 says, So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And so do you see how Isaac had to carry his own wood? Jesus is carrying his own cross. He's carrying the wood that he's going to be offered on. And this is, as it was with Abraham, this is his son, his only son, the son whom he loves. And God says, this is his son, his only son, the son whom he loves. God our Father, Jesus' Father, bound him and offered him as a sacrifice in our place. Can you imagine how God, our Father, felt as he saw Jesus carrying his cross? Going through all that he was going through and then binding him on the cross with three spikes. And it's one thing to think about how Jesus felt, because we talked about it with Abraham, you know, did he ask Sarah, you know, and, and all the feelings that, and now we have the same situation with God our Father. And how about Jesus? How did he feel? Was he scared? How bad did it hurt him? What was the agony like as he was not only on the cross, but being led to the cross? And then the pain of the cross. When did he know that there was no way out and that he was going to have to go through this all the way to the end, to the dying? And again, to be willing to be bound on the cross with three spikes holding him on there. Jesus was the lamb, the lamb that God gave to Abraham as a sacrifice instead of Isaac. And God does the same for us. Now this is at the very beginning when he calls Abraham. This is at the very beginning of time of humanity. And God's showing us the plan that he has for us to redeem us. How awesome is that? <laughs> In Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, it says this. And this is, he's prophesying about Jesus and I will pour out on the house of David and in the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one who mourns or as one mourns for an only child. And weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. 
And so this is speaking of Jesus as an only child over the firstborn. Put it together with John 3.16, which we know. For God so loved the world. How much did he love the world? That he gave his only son. And you think about all the emotions, all the feelings, all the thoughts that were going through Abraham's mind as he has to offer up his son Isaac. And that's the same thing that our Heavenly Father feels. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is so amazing to me. It goes to show that God has a plan for our lives, that they count for something, that they mean for something, that he loves us. It doesn't matter what we're going through. He loves us. He cares for us. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's never turning His back on us. He may have turned it on His Son, Jesus, but not on us. And this alone would just... I'm, I'm so grateful for the love that God has for us and that He gave us Jesus. But there's one more revelation I want to bring your way in case you don't know this. If you ever doubt that God loves you, I, I pray that God would bring this message to your remembrance. And if not all of it, at least this last part. Because... There's no doubt that God loves us. There's no doubt that He cares for us. When Abraham was offering up Isaac, it says that they were to go to the place that the Lord would show him, go to the mountain that the Lord would show him. And so he takes Isaac and everything that he needs and he takes two servants with him and they get to a certain place and then God tells him that's the mountain you're to go up. You're to go up there and offer Isaac. So he turns to the two servants and he says, all right, you guys stay here. Me and the son, we're going to go worship the Lord and we're going to come back. The mountain that he offered Isaac, that he walked up to offer Isaac is the exact same mountain that Jesus was crucified on. And I'm telling you, the parallel here of God showing us that He cares for us, that He's willing to offer Jesus as a sacrifice for us. And He chooses Abraham. And He tells him, you go to a land that you don't know, but it's going to be a land of prom the promised land. And he, he take and then I mean this is Mount Moriah. 
near Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. You can stand with me. There's more to this story, and I'll try and wrap it up next week. Because there's one more aspect of this that is just, it's so amazing to me how God was all the way back then. Because when he chose Abraham, and he asked Abraham, he was choosing a new race, a people to be his very own, the Israelites. And he was going to work through them to bring Jesus. And so that Jesus could be our sacrifice. Because God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And where He tells Abraham to offer Isaac is the very place, the very mountain that Jesus is crucified for us, that He becomes the Lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. It says that when, when Isaac asked his father, where's the lamb? He says, God will provide. And on that mountain, God has provided for all of mankind. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the love that you have for us. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how from the very beginning you had a plan. And you chose to reveal that plan even through Abraham and his son Isaac. Through the miraculous conception to the offering him up. To the willingness of Abraham. To the willingness of Isaac. To your willingness to have a son. And then to offer him up. And his willingness to be offered up. And Father, the very place that you called Abraham to offer up Isaac is the very place that Jesus was crucified for us. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. And Father, I pray that you would make this known throughout all the world, that your people that you've made, that are created in your likeness and image, that they would come to the understanding and the revelation of the love that you have for us. And Father, I pray that when we have our moments that we struggle with life and we struggle with whether you love us or not, whether you've forgotten us, whether you've forsaken us, Father, may we remember this and remember that you do indeed love us, that you will not forsake us, that you are for us. And we give you all the praise and all the glory for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. All right, go have a blessed week.